You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christopherson. We are in the thick of it as Nebraska is out on the road recruiting. They are hiring assistants. They are entering the transfer portal. Uh, their former players are entering the transfer uh, portal, and they are attempting to pull out of the transfer portal. Is there anything else Nebraska football is doing right now at this moment that I haven't mentioned, Michael Bruns? Uh, they're retaining coaches. Yeah, I filed that one under hiring. I feel like we'll have a we'll have a commentary or two on that in a bit. Um, what else? What are they doing? They're uh, making in home visits. They're making in home visits. We're seeing we're seeing uh, it's Christmas tree season. It's, you get a lot mm. of pictures on social media of what uh, everybody's holiday setup looks like. They're recruiting a guy in Idaho. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, twenty twenty four. Um, Gatlin Bear, I believe, is his name. That's which a good, is just a, it's good, a good name. name. I, uh, I don't know if Nebraska will end up with Gatlin Bear. I enjoyed my conversation with him. I drove through his town this past spring. Uh, didn't think anything of, of Gatlin at that time, but now I wish that I knew him. It would have been great. Could have stopped. He wasn't out there at the at the town sign doing like a 46-inch <laughs> vertical. Or just like, you know, betting people in the parking lot that he's faster than them. Yeah. <laughs> just that's that's the kind of recruit that I want. I want to yeah. see a, a high school kid who's hustling adults in the parking lot that he can beat them in like a you know foot race. He's he's Idaho's freeze. That's yeah. who he is. He's got his the, he's got his cleat. Go ahead. Oh, he's got his cleats in the trunk, as Ryan Held used to say. Remember that? I do. Uh, he also gave us uh, the steak eaters and bus riders. Um, he had a couple of those sort of coachisms that he would drop on you yes. every now and then. So, uh, I, you know, I'm happy to see that Nebraska still has a running back coach that likes to point during the photos. We we still get a little bit of pointing action going on with those uh, in-school, in-home photos as well. EJ Barthel, uh, give him a little bit of a shout-out. No one's been more visible in Nebraska staff and no one's probably covered more ground because he's been up and down the, uh, the Eastern seaboard already. So um, at least one guy's out there popping up on social media continuously. Yeah. Um, you don't see Evan Cooper as much on social media, but it was interesting. Um, Dwight Boodle who's committed was talking about uh, Cooper and um Cooper really sold uh, Boodle like immediately, it sounded like, within, uh, you know, the first few minutes of their conversation. It helps that they're both from the Miami-Dade area, maybe. But um, 
it was it, it we're just trying to pick up insights from this guy or that guy about each coach and sort of how they communicate to players and and things of that nature and like it is with all staff you have some guys who are just sort of more in front of a camera and some who aren't and maybe that'll change as it goes but um we're still learning a lot about each guy right now yeah no doubt about it uh you know let's let's start with with evan cooper who won the unofficial contest of getting nebraska's first commitment under matt rule with wide receiver athlete i think it'll be wide receiver but we'll just say offensive athlete bryce turner out of bay city uh which i'm told is somewhere between houston and corpus christi um if, you know, for the people that can geographically recognize that area just by me saying it, I have no idea what that means, but that's just what I've been told. Uh, Bryce Turner, a lot of debate as to his size. He lists himself at six foot two, 180 pounds. His coach said he's six foot two, 180 pounds. A lot of people looking at photos trying to determine if the person next to him is 5'11 or six foot. Some real internet sleuthing going on there that kind of cracks me up a little bit. Uh, so, Bryce Turner, I don't know what the odds would have been um, for Nebraska's first commitment to be a person that no one in our network had heard of before. Um, or uh, I shouldn't say. That's not no. true. Okay. Like they know the name in the sense that there's 2 million kids in Texas and it maybe got said once. But it's like this is a, as far as recruiting goes, this is a real deep pull. It is. It's. It's uh, he was known more for the track stuff, sure. and we we at least had a tra- a photo of him with a medal around his neck was taken by somebody in our network. So that's why I said they were aware Fine. of him. A photo he was wasn't taken. a ghost. Yes, it's like when you take a photo so you remember something when you've got kids, like because you just forget everything. But Brian, do you do this? You don't have kids. I don't have kids. I don't know what he's talking about. I do it with my dogs, kind of. Yeah, so like, I, I get it. Not not so much for like the memories of like the oh, but like what did I do on Tuesday? I'm gonna take a picture of this because I'm gonna forget. But anyways, Turner, yeah, he's he's a deep pull, real deep pull. Um, but do you have you problems know, with Tuesdays? Like, are Tuesdays <laughs> giving you difficulty? Yeah, a little bit. Um. Well, it's so, behind us now. It's a whole week ahead for you. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, 10-2 in the 100, that uh, that gets your attention. Um, you know, right around 20 in the 200, that also gets your attention. I mean, it's uh, w- when you kind of dig into it a little bit and, and the track times that he's put up, and by the way, he would own the Nebraska State 100 record if he were up here, but um, – you know, it, it fits kind of the profile that we've been told that Matt Rule recruits to. They want speed. They want guys that can run, and they'll figure out the football part of it. And, you know, he, he also had some decent numbers in 4A in Texas. But, um, you know, you, you kind of start and end with the track times. I mean, that that's where, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it was the attraction there. And, and he had had that Nebraska offer in track for a while, but, Schaefer, you talked to him. It sounded like once yeah. that football offer was on the table, it was like a no no brainer for him. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's it's a really kind of fascinating story because it's it's certainly unique for me, which is always kind of fun to uncover twelve years into covering this. But essentially it, it kind of went like this. Nebraska liked him a lot in track. Nebraska, after the coaching change for Matt Rule, somebody over in the track program just reached out and they're like, Hey, this kid plays football and he's real fast. You know, we'd love to have him here for track. I don't know if we're going to get him. Just 
if he interests you at all, just take a look. And so Nebraska clearly took a look. Evan Cooper calls Robert Jones, the head coach at, at Bay City. They talk. He basically is like, Coach, look, you know, we've seen the film. We know he's fast. Can he actually play football? And Robert Jones said that he'd put his name on it, that this is a guy that he feels like could, uh, you know, certainly develop over time. Like the raw athleticism isn't stuff that you can just have happen. You know, you can't just make a kid run a 10 2. You either can or you can't. I mean, there's really at this point. Um, so I, basically, Nebraska's like, all right, it's a good kid, does well in school, good athlete. We don't have to worry about that. We know he can help out uh, in terms of the track team. And we think, at the very least, this is a guy that could come here and immediately be on the coverage unit, could be a gunner, could help with special teams, and then we can try to develop going forward. I don't know, again, if he's going to be a running back or a wide receiver. They seem to be recruiting, uh, you know, just sort of offensive athletes, and then they're going to kind of figure it out. It reminds me in a lot of ways of the, uh, the transition class for Scott Frost, where you had a guy like Miles Jones where they didn't really have a position for him, but it's like, this guy can run. He can play football a little bit. Let's just see what we can do. It didn't work out for Miles Jones, but that's that's what Nebraska's trying to do here. I mean, they are getting into this pretty late. Uh, they're having to make relationships on the fly and to sort of tie up the Bryce Turner thing. Evan Cooper talks to the coach. The coach goes and, and pulls Bryce Turner out of class, talks to Evan Cooper. Evan Cooper's like, are you interested in playing football? He's like, yes, sir. It's like, are you are you interested in Nebraska? And he's like, yes, sir. Go ahead and makes the offer. The kid just doesn't hesitate. He's like, I'll take it. So, <laughs> you know, like it's the fastest recruitment that I know of because Nebraska made one phone call to a coach. The coach hands the phone to the kid. They have one conversation. The kid's already familiar with Nebraska because of track, but he wants to play football. He wants that opportunity. And lo and behold, He's going to be part of this class, and he's coming up for visit weekend, I believe, uh, next weekend. Um, you know, he's a guy that's, again, he's a six foot two, hundred and eighty pound athlete, and it's a total lottery ticket. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he has a comp because he doesn't. I mean, it's a unique thing. He's got a great story if he ever gets drafted. You know, like when they do that little twenty second summary of a guy, if they can fit that into that box, that that'd be a that'd be a yeah. heck of a heck of a nice I, tale. I regret not asking him what class he got pulled out of. You know, like was he in the middle of hearing about Beowulf and then he finds out that he's getting an offer to Nebraska? Was he was he working on like calculus or physics or what? But those are the details. That's that's the room that I have to grow in this job, getting those extra details. Beowulf. Yeah, that's a deep pull, too. When that Aprilia with the Shore Sute, the Droughte of March hath pierced it to the Rute. I believe that's Beowulf, isn't it? Uh, I mean, yeah, anyway. you're out here just showing off. I got nothing for you. Took, that's what I took recall. One semester of, of AP Lit and then transferred to Racket Sports. So I, you know, I read Beowulf. I did not retain it. I don't know if that was right either. But anyway, back to recruiting. Wait. <laughs> Squash, tennis, racquetball. What did you what did you transition to? What do you mean? You said racket sports. Yeah, so it was uh we did badminton, we did pickleball, we did uh tennis, we did racquetball, and then the last three weeks of the year, everyone was sick of racket sports and our teacher was gonna retire anyway, so we just played dodgeball every day. And then that's kind of when I threw my arm out, and that was the rest of my uh Athletic career, right there. So it was like a survey racket course. You weren't specializing in anything. Oh, no, no, no. 
All right. It was uh, it was an it's Columbus. Like it's an introduction to all things that you might do. But there's no badminton courts in Columbus. So at the time, there was no pickleball courts. Uh, there was tennis and there was racquetball. So, you know, what can I'm told uh, pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America, I believe. But that yeah. that also could be false. But anyway, have you, ever, have you ever played? No. We should do a pickleball podcast. Just like we're <laughs> we're talking about Nebraska while playing pickleball. They go yeah. over really well. Talking about the O line. That's a <laughs> Let's let's finish up some recruiting, and then I'm sure we'll have some offensive line thoughts here coming up. Uh, elsewhere on the road for Nebraska, like I said, EJ Barthol has been up and down the the East Coast a little bit. He's been in the Carolinas, been in Maryland, I believe he was in Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Uh, I don't know that he's gone north of New Jersey yet at this point, or I don't I don't have any I don't have any tweets that would put him north of New Jersey yet at this point. But they're they're out there. They're looking at offensive linemen. They're looking at uh, offensive athletes. Uh, I believe I'm doing this on the fly, and I'm having to learn a bunch of names at once, so everybody bear with me. I believe Quentin Ivis or Evis. I don't know how the last name is would be pronounced from uh, Palmyra, New Jersey, not Palmyra, Nebraska. Will be coming out for a visit this weekend. That is a, a six foot three uh, offensive athlete that was talking about playing running back. Um, 24-7 has him as a wide receiver. Uh, he took a visit to Monmouth last weekend, uh, and so he'll be at Nebraska this weekend. A little bit of a change there. But these are the sort of – like, they are going with some real deep cuts early on. Uh, in addition to guys like Prince Will, Umenemelen, that was not pronounced correctly, or, uh, you know, other defensive linemen. Like, they're – you know, they're taking their swings at the high end, but they also have some of these guys – that are way off the the radar that they're taking a look at as well. What has stood out to you, Brian Christopherson, just kind of looking at Nebraska's recruiting over the last week? Uh, that they're going to trust uh, what they've uh, their own evaluations, and and I think maybe it's the time of year too where you you understand that this late in the game you maybe can't uh, switch certain guys from a school they're tied into. But there are these guys that you've sort of targeted who uh, maybe are fringe recruits to some others, but you really believe in their measurables and uh, their, their speed testing numbers and stuff like that. And uh, you go with it. And the thing you got to remember is, you know, Matt Rule, to, I don't think just listening to him talk and the way he, it, you know, from his background, I don't think he sat around the last two months just not thinking about like potential targets and stuff like that. And I, so that I don't believe some of these names are just pulled out of the air, like in the last two days or anything either. I mean, these are guys they've sort of specifically thought about who, well, there's an interesting guy. Not a lot of people know about And Maybe as in the story of the guy who just committed that one sort of did actually surface very quickly. Uh, but, but I, I have to think there's been some research on some of these guys. that's maybe just beyond even this week. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a, it is a weird time where how quickly can you really flip a guy um, who's committed to like a power five program in two weeks, but maybe there are three or four you can pull um, to add to this class right now. And then you, then you sort it out and you go again and attack the portal later, you know, in the spring and stuff. So, I mean, this is just the first wave of things. People got to remember that. Yeah. And I, I really do feel like, in some parts of their strategy is basically if we think there's an athletic skill set here 
that's unique, we'll take a chance on it. And if it doesn't work in two years and it doesn't work in two years, I mean, there's you're you're looking at the portal right now and you're seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids going in there. And sometimes those were highly regarded recruits that there's a well thought out plan for. And sometimes they were scrambles. Sometimes they were late additions. Sometimes they've been committed to a class for 18 months. So I think because of the way that college football has changed with the transfer portal, in some ways, it allows you to take a few more lottery tickets because if you're going to lose kids anyways, then maybe you're just betting on athletic upside or you're betting on a specific yeah. skill set that can play out rather than maybe try to find the balanced kid who doesn't have anything that he does really well but doesn't have any weakness. It, it feels like it's trying to, to maximize upside while understanding that the risk is pretty even throughout. That, that's how that's my read on it anyways. What do you think, Brunch? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I it's, you know, you're, you're kind of swinging for the fences a little bit and putting a lot of stock in your ability to develop kids. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, the, the playbook that they've used in the past. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, you, you've got 85 scholarships. I mean, if, if guys 80 through 85 on your list are, you know, guys that Track are stars running 10 twos and, you know, really, you know, kind of fit profile wise, what you've, what you've, you know, sought in the past, I think it's probably worth the flyer on um, because as we've seen, I mean, you know, Nebraska always has 10 guys. It feels like that you're kind of like, okay, is, is this going to happen for them or not? So, you know, if, if there's some upside there, I mean, maybe, maybe those guys are a little bit more high ceiling than maybe what Nebraska has taken in the past for those spots. Yeah. Uh, Brunch, do you have any thoughts on in-state recruiting after the, the visit weekend on Sunday? Uh, we see Matt Rule out with in-home visits for pretty much every in-state kid, I think, at this point. Not every in-state kid, but every in-state commitment at this point. Certainly, they dropped by for Malachi Coleman. They had that Sunday event. What are your thoughts on where things sit in-state? Yeah, I think it's been smart. Um, you know, they, they've, as much as, you know, the, a lot of assistants have been kind of out and about, you know, on the East Coast and, you know, you had a couple of Nebraska coaches on the West Coast last night. I mean, I think they've done a good job of targeting not only commits, but, you know, being active in, in high schools. I think they're aware of the talent that Nebraska has coming in the 24 and 25 classes. You had the event last Sunday where it was, you know, targeted to mostly to guys that already held offers or were commits uh, to kind of start that relationship and, and just kind of hang out with guys. I mean, you had, uh, you know, Terrence Knight was playing Madden with guys and uh, Ed Foley's playing cornhole with with other recruits. And um, I, I think it was it was kind of just a low stress way to kind of introduce themselves to guys that they're going to really be recruiting over the next couple of years. So I, I think it's smart to do that. I think, you know, the fact that, that you know, they've been to Ainsworth to see Carter Nelson already, I think, uh, it is a really important stop for them. So it's a. Uh, you know, maybe not kind of the all-out blitz that they did uh, when they were in, in Texas at Baylor, but I, I think the the fact, and, and you wrote about this, Schaefer, it's been well-received from Nebraska coaches that um, it, that that in-state is going to be a priority for, for this staff going forward, which I think is really important. I haven't talked to a coach yet that hasn't at least appreciated the effort that they put in to really sort of make Nebraska an emphasis um, and the other thing that a lot of them like is that they're getting different coaches coming through their building instead of just seeing only Barrett Rude and occasionally Mickey Joseph. And I mean, I don't know how much of this you want to do, but 
with the previous staff, I mean, there was guys that had no idea where in Omaha certain schools were. Um, there's a pretty famous story about a about a kid at a at a school, uh, you know, and and he gets. All right, I'm into it now. I might as well tell it. Okay, so there's a there's a recruit at an Omaha school. Um, an assistant coach is told, hey, you want to check this guy out? He's told the school the recruit is at, but instead of the town being in front of it, he has no idea this school is in Omaha, let alone the fact that it's produced multiple D1 players for him. He just hears a direction uh, and just doesn't know where in the country the school is at. So, I mean, you had guys 50 miles away that don't even know the best schools in Omaha or where some of the players are coming from. And there was guys that played in their position room from this school. Like, so it's just, uh, it's that kind of mess. Like I, I went pretty redacted on it because I don't want to give a lot away there, but you know, there was, Nebraska was not the emphasis that it needed to be. And that that was evident halfway through the Scott Frost tenure. And that's why Mickey Joseph coming in was a big deal for some coaches in Omaha because their schools were either finally getting recruited or their players were having someone talk to them. And so I think with what Matt Rule has done so far, and it's just a start, like you have to, you have to keep this up because we can all kind of remember when Mike Riley would have that day where everybody on staff would be somewhere in the state of Nebraska. I mean, you can't do it just one time. Like it can't be a novelty act. It needs to be a real thing. And if Matt Rule makes that emphasis, it's going to appease a lot of people uh, in Omaha. And there's a lot of talent coming through. Like that's that's kind of the thing right now. It just feels like there's a big upswing where, you know, it used to be Brunson and, and, you know, BC when you're at the Journal Star, maybe there was three kids a year that were power five players. We're in a year where there's what, a dozen in the state right now. And, you know, 2025 is already – that's two cycles away. There's already, what, a half dozen Power 5 kids have emerged in that cycle, and there's five in 2026. And, you know, that that doesn't even allow for the development or the people that we don't even know of. And that's largely just talking about the Metro and not even places like Aurora and Scotts Bluff and York and others that produce talent or the random kids that pop up in Ainsworth or wherever it is. So, I you know, I used to bristle at the idea that – Nebraska high school coaches felt like they were being under-regarded or under-recruited. And then you watch the success of South Dakota State, North Dakota State, and later on Kansas and Kansas State and other places of coming in here. There's been enough talent, and it's being developed and discovered, and it's important for Nebraska to allocate resources at home now more than ever. Yeah. I mean, rule, like you said, rules got to keep it up, but I do think you could appreciate this this could be a, a nice long game strategy here to immediately, what's the first impression you have? It's instead of sort of being in panic mode and sending the head coach all over the country, reaching here, reaching there and all that stuff. Um, there's just sort of a diligent process of going through the state that even if it's some of the, even if there's some short term misses or whatever the successes or misses are right away, um, people aren't going to forget that. Like that was how it started off some of these coaches and that he got out and spent his time going around the state right away. And if people look at his background at Baylor, <clears throat> a similar thing happened uh, where, um, you know, he was a Northeastern guy and it was wondered, how's he going to fit down in Texas? You know, is that going to work out? And he quickly became uh, quite popular with a lot of coaches in that area 
because he knew the surroundings so well. And so you could see you can see a similar map, uh, a plan working out right now here, I think, in the early parts. But like you say, it's got to keep up. And I, I do think you got to keep uh, sending different coaches into these schools and not just limit it to one or two guys. I think that's going to be an important thing. Yeah. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's, let's, unless there's something else you guys want to dive into recruiting wise, let's, let's jump over to uh, the completion of the staff. We've seen a few more recruiting personnel or what we expect to be recruiting personnel. I think we talked about Omar Hales and Adam D. Michelle on the last, on the last podcast. It certainly sounds like Mike Wallace uh, is a name that's popped up with Terrence Knighton. That's going to be a guy that's going to be involved in the recruiting staff as well. I believe he worked with with Matt Rule at Temple. Uh, I don't know if he, he was at Baylor or not, but I'm pretty sure he, he was for sure. He was at Baylor as well. Yeah. Yep. So you know, there's there's a guy, Mike Wallace, uh, to to at least know the name of. Didn't mention this in the recruiting uh, this weekend coming in. We'll try to have another podcast on Friday or something where we have the, the visit list. Elijah Judy, um, a former top 247 defensive lineman that went to Texas A&M out of Philadelphia, coming into Nebraska for his first ever official visit. Very excited, really likes Terrence Knighton, certainly someone to, to kind of keep an eye on in the transfer portal. Uh, Nebraska going very hard at defensive linemen in the transfer portal. Not a big surprise, uh, but they're making quite a few offers in that regard. So that's that kind of closes things up recruiting-wise. Uh, mentioned a couple of the recruiting staffers. And now uh, – We'll just throw it out there. Donovan Rayola is retained, or at least we are reporting that Donovan Rayola will be retained as Nebraska's offensive line coach. Appears to be the only member of the previous staff that will be held over uh, for Matt Rule's staff. I think if you would have had me make a list going into the hire of Matt Rule, uh, Donovan Rayola would have been the last coach that I would have expected. So, uh, we'll start with that, and we'll open it up. Brian Christofferson, if you had to guess, why Donovan Rayola? Yeah, well, it hasn't been made official as of this podcast, but we know that players were in that room were told that he's coming back. Um, so that that's why we've we've reported it um, as such. They're talking um, to recruits about it as well, which I yeah, heard this morning. Yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah, I think it, we can feel pretty comfortable Donovan Rayola is going to be in your life. In 2023. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it surprised me. Um, however, um, if you look at Donovan's background, um, he, he came up with the, as an assistant line coach with the bears, as we reported a lot last year, and he worked under, uh, was it Harry Highstand is, is the name who's, who's really respected in that profession. And I'm sure like rule and those guys think a lot of him. And I'm guessing 
um, when Rule checked around, this is just speculative, but you got to assume there's like, okay, I'm going to go over here and see what this guy says about him. What's he made of? I'm guessing he, he gets stronger views probably from some people who are very highly thought of in the profession. Another thing to note, and obviously Rule did his own research, but he actually did talk to Scott Frost a day after he took the head coaching job here. And he mentioned to us, one of the things he asked was just, what do you think about some of the assistants? Give me your feedback on them. Is He said it in like a sentence, but that's what happened. And so, um, you know, Frost was, was huge on Ryle and his technique and the way he teaches it and just gets after guys. And I know the results weren't there on the field. Um, so there's a lot to prove. Um, there's going to be a lot of people skeptical of this. I guess the other side of it is um, it was a unit that was really depleted this past year. Prohaska gets injured pretty early in the season. Uh, Noradine Nuili um, is suspended for the year, and he was arguably your most consistent guy the season before. So there's two or three guys that were just sort of out of the mix. Kevin Williams was injured, didn't really factor in, and you know he was a guy you're hoping for. So. Um, there's that part of it, but no doubt there's going to be a lot to prove to doubters on as this hire is made. It's interesting. Zach Wiegert's getting honored and going into the college football hall of fame on Tuesday night, sort of a, a it's all over cyberspace with, you know, that, and it, he's, he, he's a memory from the past of when it was great. And he's like, it's, it, if Nebraska is going to be great again, it's got to start up front. And, uh, Scott Frost made a huge hire a year ago when he, he brought in Donovan Ryle and made him the man for that mission. And uh, it seems like Matt Rule's going to do it again. And that's uh, it's a fascinating storyline, if nothing else. Brunt? Yeah, I'll be interested to hear from Matt Rule. I, I'm guessing we probably won't hear from him probably until signing. signing the, um, you know, kind of what the thinking was there. I, I mean, it's I'm kind of of two minds of it. I mean, I, I think there's you know, some, some reason to be skeptical um, given that we saw 12 games of Nebraska's offense uh, this past year and their struggles up front to protect the quarterback and, and move defensive linemen. Um, you know, on the other hand, I, you know, you could say that, you know, we, we still don't know a ton about Donovan Rayola. I mean, we didn't hear from him much at all uh, during the season. Um, you know, four games in, you're dealing with a complete shuffle um, at, at your, uh, you know, on the offensive staff and, and what that looks like. I don't know that Mark Whipple's run game approach was necessarily uh, the best given kind of how things played out. Um, but, you know, it, it's, you know, he's still a young coach. Um, you know, I, I think he kind of has the background that might appeal to somebody like Matt Rule, especially if there's, you know, guys that he knows of the NFL that kind of vouched for Rayola and maybe what he's doing. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of in wait and see mode. I mean, I, I think it's, we, we don't know kind of what the other candidates maybe look like. John Garrison's name was out there again um, for, for this opening. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting and an, an interesting retention. And like you said, Schaefer, I don't know that he would have been anywhere near the top of the list that I had um, wh whenever that change went through. You know, the, the one thing you can say, too, about Rule and his staff is there is actually quite a bit of guys with, with offensive line knowledge. You know, Ed Foley's coached offensive line. Matt Rule's coached offensive line. 
uh, Satterfield coached it as an assistant in the NFL uh, with the Carolina Panthers too. So uh, we don't know kind of how things are going to break up um, in terms of responsibilities or maybe how involved others are going to be with the line. But, um, you know, definitely the, um, I think the skepticism is a little bit warranted about, you know, maybe what, what's uh, led to that decision and also just what that looks like going forward. Yeah. Well, um, they definitely had extra help for Donovan Rayola this past year on their staff. And so I think just from hearing from people that was needed early on, maybe it changed uh, as they got into the season. Here's the thing. Like normally you can divide hires into two categories. You have the guys who are known for being really strong recruiters that are also position coaches. And you have really technical coaches that are known for sort of developing and mastering their position. Um, part of it with Rayola is he doesn't have that much experience, so you don't really have a track record indicating either of those two things. Um, his only commitments that he, he received this year came from Sam Sledge and Brock Knutson, uh, two guys that I don't think there was ever a doubt that they would go to Nebraska if given the offer, given that they were in-state players, grew up fans. One's a, uh, one is a legacy. Um, so it's not recruiting. I mean, I, I've never had a single recruit tell me that Donovan Rayola, uh, you know, outside of just like, yeah, we had a good conversation or it was a good junior day or whatever. Uh, can't think of a, you know, even the offensive line recruits like Caden Green or uh, others would talk about Mickey Joseph or Scott Frost or whomever. Um, so I can't understand it from a recruiting standpoint. I sort of understand the idea that this is a younger guy. I think he's what, 33, 33, 34, 39. So maybe he's 39. He's 39. Oh, okay, so he's not that young. I mean, so then, you know, maybe you're trying to get someone who's just a real grinder that's going to go out on the trail or he's going to spend all his time in the in the room and that kind of thing. I mean, we know that Matt Rule, it's kind of values that. Uh, hard to, hard to, to know whether that's the case. Not a single offensive lineman got better in 2022. So for all of Frost talking about his teaching and the way that he likes his technical uh, side of things, can either of you name a lineman that was better other than Trent Hickson in 2022? Um, Hickson's the best example. Um, I thought, I mean, Cork, it's got to happen with Corker and you got to start developing that. Well, and they I can't play him at left you, tackle. Yeah. You got to move him inside. You got to find a better tackle option. It appears. Um so yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think Hickson's the guy guy you would bring up. Um, I was surprised by it. Um, I get it goes with the sort of how Matt Rule's re- recruiting as well too, though. He he is not a head coach who's worried about obviously like what the perception uh, is. He's going with this is what I believe and what I trust in, and I've I've done my research and. I mean, let's not pretend these guys know what's on the line here. He knows like how big that hire is. Um, And that's what's fascinating to me is like on the outside, this is going to be one of those hires where everybody's like throwing air, you know, they're spinning arrows at it and it's going to be not that well received. Um, But Matt rules like this, the guy, I believe in him, you know, and that, I mean, that's what's happening here. And basically to simplify it, he's saying, I think he had a bad hand last year. I mean, that, that's, that's what you're getting to, and we're going to give him a better hand. I mean, that's that's what that's what the deal is. 
I, the the problem I guess I have is how do they get a better hand? Like these are the players that you have in front of you. Like these are the guys that he worked with last year and they got worse. He didn't bring in a single transfer portal offensive lineman last year, despite being hired in early December. Uh, they barely played Kevin Williams and Hunter Anthony as it was. I, I like you've had mass exodus of the guys that were behind him, which weren't good enough to force the issue with the guys in front. Like I just. Unless the offensive system, and this is where I think you have to put a ton of eggs in the basket of the way the offense was called didn't allow for Nebraska's offensive line to play well because it didn't like the strengths maybe don't line up or the way that they were calling the run game doesn't line up with how they wanted to block the run game. But this was the same conversation that happened with Greg Austin too. And now you have a different offensive coordinator who's never worked with this offensive line coach. Like I just, I have a lot of apprehension that this can go well. And I guess I sort of look at it like whatever goodwill existed after the opening press conference for at least two thirds of this fan base, a lot of it got erased by the idea that the worst or the perceived to be worst assistant coach from the last staff is now back. So, and I, I'll eat all the crow that's out there if it works. And Donovan Rayola is producing guys that have the ability to be all Big Ten offensive linemen. But if you're going to, start your press conference talking about that it all starts up front. And then you bring back the guy that presided over the worst offensive lineman or worst offensive line in my lifetime. Like I there's, we're not talking about a matter of like small differences. Like there are miles to go for that offensive line. And this is the person that's going to be in charge of it. Like I, I was dumbstruck last year when it happened and I saw absolutely no reason why it would happen again, and yet here we are. So, I don't know. Like I said, I'll be more than happy to eat the crow if I'm completely wrong on this. But I, I just don't see in what area Donovan Rayola is a positive for Nebraska football right now. So, it's a lot of blind faith. Yeah. Well, it's, well I was going to say, it's it's kind of the unknown. I mean, that that's where we're at right now. Like, you're looking forward – you know, you're going to have to bring in, I think, some more, whether it's JUCO, whether it's transfer portal guys, whatever. I mean, you need some you need some competitive depth on that offensive line. You don't really have a center ready to go right now. Um, at they don't, what end. position do they have ready to go? Well, if you would have Teddy back at, at one tackle spot. You feel pretty good about that. If you can actually move Corcoran inside. I Nuri, think you about that. Nuri is one of the guards. Nuri yeah. and Corcoran at guards. You're at least starting with something there that you can build around. But I, I you know, the, the top seven that they had last year, I mean, I, I don't, you're going to have to get better somehow, whether that's Rayola, Rayola doing it through recruiting, whether it's somebody else bringing in uh, guys, whether it's, you know, hitting the portal hard. I mean, you, you're going to have to find, you got to, you got to rebuild that regardless of, you know, who the offensive line coach is, but it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think in some ways, if you're kind of taking the wait and see approach, you're kind of giving him a mulligan in some ways for last year and, and the way that things played out. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that, that's kind of where I'm at is okay. I mean, that's, that's the way that Matt rule has chosen to go forward. Uh, he obviously knows and has talked about the importance of the, the offensive line. Uh, Nebraska fans have seen that movie play out for 12 games this past year and know the importance of that group. So we'll, we'll see, um, that that's, uh, that's the best I can do. We'll see. Just wait till it comes out. They got a race. 
Because I'm sure he's not coming back on the same amount of money, whatever he got paid last year. It's not my I, money. I just find – look, I, I'm not asking you guys to defend it because, to me, it's an indefensible move. Like, I don't I don't even know where you start on a defense with it. But I, I, I legitimately cannot understand the process that leads you to think, this is a guy I want in charge of my offensive line. But – Matt Rule has been uh, running football staffs a lot longer than I've been running my mouth, so you got to give him the the opportunity to 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 put this thing together. But I'm going to be just I'll be gobsmacked if they're if they're good up front next year, legitimately, because the personnel isn't really going to change. <clears throat> I, I don't. I mean, unless they're able to go into the portal and find like three guys, I I just think a lot of the same names that you know are going to be there. And then I just don't, I don't know that a second year with the same guy that couldn't unlock things in the first year is, is the answer here, but we'll have all off season. I'm sure to discuss it. I'll tell you this much. I don't want to hear how well they're firing off the ball in the spring. Cause I don't care. It did not matter in the fall at all. So if that's the, if that's the thing that Donovan Rayola has unlocked is their ability to turbo boost off the snap. It didn't really matter when they played other teams. So. Uh, anything else we want to get to here? You want to talk the the best thing that happened in Nebraska last week? Let's see. Um, I'm drawing a blank, Brunch. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to let me know what it is. Uh, well, that would be. I'm not, uh, I'm not serious, by the way. Okay, that was bad acting. I'm sorry, Brian. What what was that like up front? Like up close, watching that game play. You you were like down in down on the on the court, right? No, no, they uh, Nebraska beats Creighton 63-53. They put us up sort of uh, similar to like uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena oh. seating now. They didn't put you in the super high area? You were in no. the hockey press box? The auxiliary? Uh, a little bit. We were behind a, a very cute Creighton baby uh, was right in front of us. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was, it was fine. They, there was the least amount of red. I've ever seen in that building for one of those games. I think Nebraska fans are sort of ducking like, yeah, it's not going to be this year. So I think I'll uh, stay home and watch the NFL, maybe keep an eye on it from a distance. Um, but I noticed on social media, as I kept posting updates every four to eight minutes or whatever, it started to get more and more traffic and people were like, okay, I might flip over there. Um, Creighton fans started leaving with about two and a half minutes left. And it was a 12 point game. And I did not feel like it was secure yet, <laughs> but uh, it was a it was a very good defensive performance. Creighton obviously couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They were ten of forty from behind the arc. But I will say this: the Huskers were scrambling. They, I mean, they they had to take away something, and they took away the pant the paint. Van Dumel took away um, Nemhart, who just chopped them up last year in Lincoln. Absolutely took him out of the game. And uh, they took away the lob, the big center, the seven-footer, couldn't get anything going. And so it's like, we will give you some shots. We're going to scramble and try to contest them, um, but we're not going to give you both. And Creighton Creighton eliminated both of them by themselves by not being able to shoot at all. Do you you think Creighton overlooked Nebraska? Like, it felt like they were kind of sleepwalking through that game. And they they were coming off the loss to Texas. And it it felt like not not that they weren't prepared for that game, but that there was there was no adjustment made that that I could 
see that was significant by Creighton in that game. And it seemed like almost like they thought they could kind of show up and, and run Nebraska out of the gym. Yeah. I mean, there might've been a little of that. Uh, they had played Thursday night in Austin, kind of an emotional game against Texas. They didn't shoot well in that game either and still only lost by five though. I mean, that's the thing. I'm not going to just say Creighton stinks and they're not going to do anything this year. They might, they might be pretty good. Um, they lost by two to Arizona, five to Texas. Now the thing you wonder about them though, when they get to March is, will they be able to match some team's physicality? like when you get to those type of games, because they did not have an answer for big body Derek Walker. That's for sure. Like you knew two minutes into that game, there was nobody who was going to stop Walker from charging in and getting about eight layups. Or I think he ended up with 11 of 16 shooting. It was amazing to watch. Like Nebraska has everybody basically spaced out. They're like, okay, Derek Walker, you're just going to go one-on-one with Kalkbrenner backs him down, makes a move, puts him, puts it off the glass. Like, how many times did they do that? They had a nice little two-man thing going with him and, and Sam Grisell. And, I mean, it was it was impressive. It really was. It Honestly, I sort of – I downplayed the value of Walker coming back more than I really should have because he's just been really good. He's played, what, like three games, four games now? They're three and one since he returned. They lost the first one to Memphis, but since and his, his like then. most quiet game was the Boston College one because he had a little foul trouble. But otherwise, like he's just consistently putting up points and grabbing rebounds. And the thing about the game Sunday against Creighton was he actually only played twenty three minutes because, because of the foul. Yeah, he got the two fouls with five minutes left in the first half, and it was twenty one to twenty. And I'm turning to the guys next to me. I'm like, this is a bad situation here you know CU's going to go on a run they're going to be up eight to ten at half that was a key stretch Nebraska not it was 25 23 at half still so Nebraska went plus one nobody basically scored for the last five minutes of the first half while Walker was on the bench and then again in the second half for about three to four minutes they had to buy time when Walker picked up a third and again Nebraska held serve and the, the score stayed about the same and um that I mean, so CU could not even take advantage when he wasn't on the floor. So if you had said before the game Nebraska's going to win with Walker sort of getting in foul trouble and, you know, not playing 32 minutes, I would have said no way. Um, but, I mean, it was, a, it was a nice thing. I mean, it erased a drought that goes back to 04, back to 95, if you count the regular season games in Omaha against Creighton. And it might be a confidence boost. Now, now they got to play – this very night we're doing this podcast. They got to play at Indiana and then number four Purdue on Saturday. So, and you can't, you can't even really enjoy it for two hours. They sort of had to start looking at what's next. That what, go ahead. Do you, do you feel like this is a team and and this was, you know, Fred Hoiberg has always been, you know, offense and spacing it out, shooting three, you know, up and down the court. Do you feel like this team and this staff is, is dedicated to being able to play those kind of like ugly muck it up type games. Cause I, that to me feels like much more of a workable recipe going forward into the big 10 versus trying to outscore and outgun teams. Like you, you almost kind of need, it's like you almost kind of need like the dad in the driveway approach where you're just backing guys in you're, you're playing, you know, steady but unspectacular basketball. Like, are, do you think they're willing to do that? Because I think that's a way where they can actually win some games of Big Ten play. I think we've joked about it. Don't all dads know the uh, 
like they can hit the 12 foot shot in the driveway off yeah. the backboard. Yeah. 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 You gotta have, you gotta have a little bit of that with this, with this team. You know, um, them angles, you know, exactly where. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. There's a little bit of Rutgers to it, isn't it? Like, you know, Rutgers yeah. is, has found the formula in the big 10, which Rutgers took apart Indiana, by the way, about four days ago. Um, and Rutgers is one of those teams that where they'll ug it up a little bit and uh, still beat you 62 to 56 and take the win and enjoy it. And um, I do think Hoiberg understands that's the strength of this team. He kind of smiled and joked about it, like in the postgame Sundays, like, yeah, it pains me. We had to sort of take the air out of the ball when he, when Walker was off the floor, but even when he's on the floor, they kind of do that a little bit. And so, yeah, they have, they've sort of switched how they play, I think with this particular team. And that's the way you got to do it probably to have it, have a chance. What uh, what's an Emmanuel Vandemel handshake like? Oh yeah, that was that. I like Emmanuel's a great, just like that's not um, fake. Like some guys are fake. You like joy, joyful. They kind of put it on. He's just one of those dudes who's always happy and stuff like that. And I got to be honest, um, like early before the season, Hoiberg said he's like an energy giver, not an energy taker. And you're kind of like, whatever, I'll write it down and put it on the story. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's just one of those guys like after the press conference the other day gets up and he's just like, he's goes around the room and shakes everybody's hands. Like it's just something you do. And I just, and you kind of walk, you walk away from it. You're like, man, that kind of makes you feel good. And you, and then you translate to, I bet that happens in the locker room. I bet he's the type of guy who, uh, builds up players in certain situations and helps them with that. So I think he was a great transfer addition. Not only is he a pretty solid defender, uh, but he's just a positive person. And uh, I think, you know, they, they've got some guys like that who we'll see how it goes in the rugged Big Ten, but they sort of um, believe um, stuff in themselves that I don't think people on the outside necessarily believe they can do. One thing I do like about this team that I even noticed when they, you know, they've had their bad stretches, they don't really panic. Like they do have a lot of veterans there that have played a lot of basketball that have been in a lot of different type of games. Um, they don't, it's, it's unusual to see them look like hurried or flustered or anything. I, you know, and don't take that to mean like that everything's gone easy. It's, when they've had their issues, it's largely just they can't make shots. Like the, the shooting just hasn't been there. Or the other team is just raining threes on them. But they do have – it. there is a, uh, you know, a confidence, I guess, about how they go about their work uh, that is, is sort of reassuring instead of being kind of scattershot the way that it had been the last few years where you're kind of working in these pieces that haven't played that much basketball. Whereas, you know – with, with Bandamel or Grisel or Walker or, um, you know, Gary, like they played a lot of basketball. So they're not, they're not like panicking when things aren't working necessarily. Like they're just, they're just going into work and they're doing their job the best they can. You know, uh, is it I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good mental shift from where we've seen some of these teams in the past. You know, it was impressive kind of connecting to that was the last like three minutes, four minutes of that game. Creighton's uh, pressing them and Nebraska was very calm and just moved the ball. Sometimes it would, you know, eight surgical. Yeah. It might get, take eight seconds to get it across the line, but they, they did it. You didn't feel like it was a fire drill. You felt like there was some composure out there and they were breaking it down and it ended up being layups and dunks on the other end. And it sort of ruined 
CU would get a bucket and get it to like eight, and you'd think, oh boy, if Nebraska, they did have one turnover, Nebraska did, but they got yeah, the stop CJ. in. And then after that, um, they just handled the ball the rest of the way, and eventually uh, CU waved the white flag with about 40 seconds left. Yeah, that like, was stunning. Yeah, I, I thought they might try to stretch it out a bit, but no, no dice. So, uh, yeah. Heck of a nice win for those dressed in red. There weren't a ton in the arena, but you heard from them in the last minute or two of that game. That's for sure. All right. Any any closing thoughts as we uh, – this 30-minute podcast, it went 20 minutes long. No, we got we got our Nebraska Creighton talk in. That's all I was – that's what I was here okay. for. I feel like so much has happened since that game ended on Sunday. I, like, have not – I've not taken the requisite amount of joy to uh, – to you know just sort of enjoy that it occurred because there's just it's been so much these days are so long right now with everything going on recruiting and and everything else so quick uh, and quick quick question answer fast because i know we got to get out would you rather have that win over creighton and what that means or would you rather have them maybe they can get both but win one of the two to start big 10 play against uh, indiana and purdue which is a tough order creighton you can't win all three if you don't win the first one you take that Creighton win and you take it twice on Sundays. Okay. Yeah. Did you get a picture of the Final Four banner up there at uh, the Arena BC? <laughs> you like to you like to go harder in the paint than I do. I'm a I'm an Omaha bred guy, so I try to like keep I try to be careful with that. I'm not a Jasker, by the way. Was, I, I did used I did used to watch uh, them back at the Civic Auditorium when I was sure. uh, like ten years old, but. Tony sure. Baroni teams. You also used to go to UNO basketball games. You were just a. You were I just like sports. Yeah, I like exactly. sports! Exclamation point. I'm not going <laughs> to hold anything against anybody. I'm just saying there's a, a little bit of peacocking about the greatest Creighton team of all time that has the same record as Nebraska here on December 7th. I'm not counting them out. Three. I'm not counting that team out, but I do. They'll think, be fine. They're I a tournament they're, team. They'll be fine. They're physically they. they there's some warts that you see that are going to be a problem for them in March, though, and they were exposed on Sunday in some regard. I just, you know, I thought it was a little premature to put them in the Final Four on July, whenever that happens. So, <laughs> just that's all I have to add on it. Uh, all right, let's close this thing out. We will be back, uh, or at the very least, I'll be back later this week. We'll see if anybody wants to join me. Run through uh, the first real recruiting weekend, official visit weekend that Matt Rule and staff will have when we get few more details on what that's all going to look like. Uh, I know there's some guys that uh, are in between whether they're going to visit this weekend or next weekend or visit at all. And so hopefully we'll have more of that information later in the week. They'll have an official visitor starting on Thursday. Of course, we're going to have everything that we possibly can. And we've had a lot of stuff on 24-7. If you were one of those people that joined up with us in November, you are getting your money's worth. I promise you. There is a ton of coverage of recruiting, transfer portal, coaching stuff. A football team, some basketball. BC's been doing a great job covering that. Uh, if you did not sign up with us, we still got another deal going, right? Brian, what is that deal? Well, it's it's pretty good. It's 50% off um, annually for the Husker 24-7, but you also get a Paramount Plus um, with it. Um, by the way, Top Gun Maverick, for those who are like the Top Gun fans, is coming to Paramount Plus on December 22nd. So, Oh, wow. Um, did so, you go see that in theaters? Oh yeah, it was good. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. 
Yeah, well, you could December 22nd. It'll I'm be on up it. On your Paramount Plus. And those who get the Husker 24-7 package for 50% off, pretty good deal, and a streaming service for with that, I don't know. I would take it if I were them. That's my sales job. I, here's a little, like, workaround that I found in the last few weeks. For whatever reason, my Paramount Plus does not think that I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska. So sometimes I get NFL games that are not in market that I'm able to watch. It's great. That allows I, me to use my multi-TV setup. I've been able to watch some games that aren't the Chiefs. Like, it's it's fantastic, you know. So if you do have Paramount Plus, check that out. If you don't, yet another reason to, to kind of keep an eye on it. Because getting mm-hmm. the, the live sports is, is very nice. And sometimes working around what you're, you're obligated into if your local channels isn't the worst thing either. Brunch, you got thoughts? Uh, I think you guys covered it all. Need some cough <laughs> medicine up there in the right corner? Man, this is killing me. I've, I've got that. That's uh, December Mike Riley uh, flu bug going around. <laughs> All right. Mark off Mike Riley on your bingo cards. Let us know if you got a blackout. We'll be back later this week with another Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you next time. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.